This is Shaka Ward Speak. Hi, and welcome to Shaka Ward Speak. I am Gareth Blackwell here with my co-host Ryan Letario. Hello. Uh, we've had a lot of fantastic feedback from part one of the series that we're going to carry on today. Um, had a lot of folks tell us that it was a really kind of um, fantastic conversation to drop into uh, because they felt like it was something that was already going on in their brain already and it was nice to have some other voices. And in some ways I say we kind of anticipated that because uh, we feel the same way. Uh, it's been kind of a, a part of, of kind of uh, navigating the terrain with art and design. So today we're going to be picking up uh, back where we started with the first podcast uh, episode of Anxiety, Work-Life Integration, and Satellite Brain Debris. So we're going to bring a bit more Satellite Brain Debris today. Part and, uh, two, part two, in a world. <laughs> and so we're going to be doing that uh, again today, um, having a conversation with Ryan. So um, before we really jump into it, though, uh, there's still some time to come out and see uh, Curious Things at the gallery. Uh, it's there until the, is it through the end of August? Yeah, um, it's like the... I think it's the 24th or 5th. I got to look at the calendar, but yeah, yeah so some, we've got like that. Do some time still. Yeah, we've got that prep time <clears> before <throat> the uh, show that opens in September. Um, but please come out over the next few weeks. Fantastic show with some really amazing artists from uh, from the area um, and even far down as uh, North Carolina. So uh, come out and check that out. Uh, you've got a few weeks still. Um, hit us up on Instagram if you want to have a time where you can schedule um, a viewing of it or mm -hmm. uh, come out and see us when we have open hours. It's all going to be there on our Instagram, uh, Shaka Art Space. So check us out there. You can also find us on Patreon and GoFundMe with some things that we're doing for fundraising. So we'd love to have any continued support that folks are giving. And we want to say again, a big, huge thank you to everybody that's been doing that. So thank you so much for the support. We do have an $11,000 goal from today. We, 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 as, as far as we know, that's what we need to cover. So um, yes, consider. Consider and share, as we said before. Thank you. Yeah, thank you all so much. Yep. Um, so we're just going to jump right into it. And now, uh, where do you want to where do you want to jump back into it? Right? Uh, gosh, so you know, there's our hope with this is we're not sure how many episodes we'll go in with this, like particularly as a series, but we will get to a place where we try to land the plane, so to speak, and look at some practical yeah. ways that I mean, at a minimum, you know, we're not experts; we're working through it ourselves, and so it's just inviting you all into the same conversation we're having and feeling like a lot of times um, these conversations just don't happen enough and, and they're too charged and too scary. And, and I think, you know, um, so uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe the uh, just like, I, I, I feel like sometimes it's worth just going back and define, like kind of getting a, a sense of what we mean by some things. And yeah, totally. like, we're not like psychologists. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we were not even pretending to be. So these are just like lay people thinking about it as practitioners in the arts, teaching, having having a lot of real world experience just with friends and community and, you know, um, students and just working with artists. I've been working with artists for a long time and, and there are a lot of common themes that we all kind of like go through. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I guess we could start, I mean, it's, you know, it's right there kind of in the title of things, but. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if we kind of glanced over and didn't really give due time or due diligence to, to even talking about what we mean by anxiety. Yeah. Cause I think that that's, uh, I mean, you know, if you look at certain studies, you see a lot of information out there that talks about that we are now like the most anxious we've ever been mm -hmm. as a society. Um, 
and I don't know that we always uh, unpack what that means. Sure. You know, most of the time we just kind of nod agreeingly and go, yeah, 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 you're right. I'm, yeah. I'm super anxious about stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a, you know, the beautiful thing about language is uh, words have a specificity to them. And that specificity comes with a nuance in terms of their relationship to other words. So I think a lot of times we can paint with a wide brush and say, you know, anxious, anxiety, uh, worry, concern, or it's like, oh, they're all the same thing. Um, I don't know that they totally are. So I'd like to really kind of dig into like, what, what do we mean by anxiety? Like, what is yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so, um, I mean, I, I think that there's a heightened sense of, I mean, it's obvi obviously a sensory component in terms of like an internal sensation um, that accords with your, your mental state. And uh, it's something along the lines of a ceaseless fear. It's sort of like the, the normalization of what a fear might be. So like if I were uh, uh, in the middle of the, the road and I saw a car coming at me as a there's a bit of a, you know, a adrenaline jump, whatever else chemically that's going on. Yeah. And I feel a certain amount of fear because I can actually perceive what the danger is, what the threat is, and then I can respond accordingly. Um, with anxiety, um, the target is harder to pin down. Therefore, the fear is like not alleviated, you know? And so you spend, yeah. a, so, so you spend a lot of time or so, I mean, speaking with regards to myself, uh, historically, I'd spent a lot of time trying to find the target that explains the, 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 the feeling that I'm in, um, which puts me further back into myself and makes it harder for me just to do, you know, so someone who struggled with a severe depression, like in the past, like it, it, uh, paralyzed me, you know? Um, yeah. and then you look to soothe it or, or medicate it in many ways. I mean, I did. So, um, I mean, that's at least a thought that I have is like, you know, um, in a non-technical way, there's something about a general state of um, maybe it's like an unexplainable feeling of fear. I mean, I th I, we'll get into this, but I think it's a feeling that uh, commands your attention, your body uh, renders you restless. Um, um, it scatters your thoughts. Um, you know, it could be that you're focused on one thing, but then that we can get into that. Like, well, what's that one thing and what's that relate to as a control or, um, but at a minimum, man, I think it's something to do with that, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, that makes total <clears throat> sense. Like as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, like a horror movie, mm -hmm. right? So you're watching some like slasher flick and it starts off and it's like a, a nice sunny scene and all these friends are together. They're doing something. They're going someplace and there's they're no, going camping. Yeah. There's no anxiety there, yeah. right? They're just no. having a good time stopping at the yep. weird cut gas off, station, cut off jean shorts, just rocking it. Tank tops. And sunglasses. so <laughs> they, uh, but then everything gets kind of dark and you start seeing like these signs that like you should be worried about this. Yep. And so, um, you know, most of those movies, what the, the way that they become like scary really is because they don't relent that, that what you feel the entire time is not fear, but you feel an anxiety yeah. of what is the thing that's going to get me. That's right. Where's this pop out going to come? Where's that scare going to happen? Mm-hmm. And so you're always anticipating in a fearful way the thing that you don't know mm -hmm. that's out there or that you don't understand or you don't know when it's going to happen. And so, um, you know, I think you, uncertainty. Yes, yeah, yeah. total yeah, yeah. uncertainty. Um, 
And you know, it's, it, and it's funny though, because uh, in movies like that, that uncertainty exists. Even if these folks were just like commuting to work, there's mm-hmm. still an uncertainty about yeah. that, that journey and that destination of sure. what's going on. It's just that there's something else that's kind of predicating and looming, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so, you know, I think that uh, anxiety, like you're saying, it very much is kind of a state of this kind of like worry and concern Yeah, where I can be worried in a moment about something. Um, but I think it tips to anxiety once it becomes an, an elongated mm-hmm. sort of experience. Yeah. 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 So jumping around the, um, I want to say that there's, I'm trying to be kind of careful in, in what I, what I say. I'm not, I'm honestly just like thinking out loud. So, mm-hmm. um, there's, let's say that there's an order to things. Okay. Um, and the order to things is extremely diverse. And this is like a thought exercise. Let's say all the different facets, the parts, the, the roles that things play have their value, their place. And, um, you know, it's like building something. And then someone comes and breaks it and the order is broken. And there's an anxiety about, there's a, there's a response to the brokenness and then there's a response to how do we put it back together again? And if you're not sort of like the architect of the the thing, you may not know what parts go where. Yeah. Um, so you start, you, you live in a tension of the specificity in front of you and the sense that it belongs somewhere, but also the sense of bewilderment. Like, I'm not sure where this fits in and you know, that can create, like, so like there's like cultures that are, we're, we, we build culture out of brokenness in some ways. Yeah. Um, and we live there in the brokenness long enough that we start to assume it as a whole. Um, and so it doesn't function as a whole, but we don't know why. And so then we break it further down. And so I guess I, what I want to say is it feels as though, at least in like my own personal space, that if I'm not sort of, um, Allowing there to be, I know order sounds so tense, like so stuffy, but yeah, I was watching like, we went, went to this like nat- nature park and I was watching just like ants and I was looking at dragonflies with my kids. Like I was watching these different behaviors, different types of uh, creatures and things floating around. There's like baby catfish in this like little stream and then these like tadpoles and the catfish, the catfish had like a certain way they did things. And, uh, and, um, you know, I was like recently also reading something about locusts and locusts swarm, but they never compete in occupying uh, one another space. Hmm. So they, they never really are chaotic. They're highly ordered and therefore they're highly effective at just consuming everything because they, they have like a goal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so chaos for them would be if I came in there and started swinging a bat around and all of a sudden their order is broken. And then the anxiety comes because the order's broken and yeah. they don't know their place anymore. They don't know where they fit in. Um, yes. yeah. Their purpose is disrupted. So I've been thinking about those kinds. And so like, and I brought up the ants to say like, um, I had to take care of some ants that were overrunning my house. And, you know, so I'm, I'm so impressed by them to be honest with you mm-hmm. that it's weird. You're like, man, I feel bad doing this. I got to get rid of you guys. 
they're so ordered. They're so uh, clear. And um, the beautiful thing about human beings, we have this agency, we have this freedom to choose, but uh, we filled our space with a lot of disorderly things that masquerade as valid options for us, I think. And, and um, some of that stuff, I mean, I'm just probably going too far, but it feels like some of that stuff probably bears down on the wounds of our brokenness. And so it doesn't allow us to reorder and prioritize. And I can get more specific later, you know, in this conversation in terms of like what that looks like in very concrete terms. But uh, this is, these are incomplete thoughts in the sense, like this is me wrestling with this. Like, what does it mean to say that something's in order? Um, um, just one more thought is that like, I was thinking about that because a lot, like I was talking to a friend about chaos and they were talking about chaos and I was like, chaos, chaos theory is like a perception that things are chaotic. But that's really just because we can't comprehend the nature of the order. And so we perceive it as such. But, you know, when science digs in, it's like, oh, there's actually like a elegant order to that. And so a lot of times what we perceive as chaos is really just our inability to hold it all together ourselves. And yeah, we don't yeah. know how to, we, we're not prioritizing it. And that's certainly true for me. Um, yeah, I think about like, you know, maybe a, another way to even talk about this uh, as far as we're just kind of like throwing out uh, plot points for the day. Mm -hmm. Um I think about like expectations and unmet expectations when you talk about order, right? Cause I think that that's a, that's a type of order that we all like, we all can say, yes, I have expectations. Mm -hmm. Like that's a point of order. Mm -hmm. um, it's a way that you try to order the future. Mm -hmm. It's the way that you try to um, hold on to some of that. And I think that those unmet expectations or, you know, things that might miss the mark or don't get there as soon as you'd like, those become huge points of anxiety for a lot of folks. Right. You know, and uh, especially when some of those expectations are not things that we have come upon on our own mm -hmm. out of good reason, but may have been kind of placed upon us because, you know, certain like groups or cultures um, that we're a part of tell us, well, here's what you're supposed to do. Right. Here's where this should go. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, I struggled with this, right? Like, cause, uh, you know, more or less being around the same age as people like Mark Zuckerberg, mm -hmm. like I kept hearing all this news as like Facebook was developed and moving on. And they were saying like, oh, he's done this thing. Mm -hmm. He's worth this much money. And if it comes a point where it's like, oh, is that a, is that, a, is that like where, is that the expectation? Mm -hmm. Like, am I like severely deficient because, right. because I'm not doing something remotely close to the that? The answer is yes, you're not Zuckerberg. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> uh, so, you know, but I think that those expectations can some, can be internally or externally put upon us. Totally. And there's anxiety that comes from that all yep. the time. Even if you're moving toward them perfectly well, there's anxiety of like, oh, it might not happen. I might miss that mark. And that's something that like looking back, like I think that's more of a common thing in my life than not. Yeah. And I, mean, I think it's like why there's the phenomena of like people talking about being awakened or woke or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, I would say that our, if you listen, if you think about this keenly, um, our beliefs are formed, our beliefs are formed passively predominantly. In other words, most of our beliefs are givens. They're assumptions out of the, the freedoms that have been afforded to us, if you will, by a, a prior state of affairs and a prior set of actions from other people. So if you look at, so I'll give you an example. I, I grew up in California, Southern California, 
and um, earthquakes happen there. Some some happening now. It's like anxious. I got family there. It's always a, a thing. And my assumption about roads was that that they're paved and you drive on them. And that that wasn't a conscious assumption. Yeah. That was um, kind of rubber meets <laughs> rubber meets the road assumption. It's like well, just it's what inductively it's what I've always known. Therefore, I don't have to think about it or even be critical of it. Um, and as a kid, you, you, you know, you observe what you do if you do, you know, so you're like, Oh, we're driving this road's bumpy, this road's, but then an earthquake hits and concrete moves like water yet again. And you're seeing the ground break up. Now my assumptions have to change about the strength of the ground. Now I have to consider that there's now I'm aware. Oh, so why was the ground moving like an ocean when it was solid? Um, and, and then it becomes an opportunity or an invitation into inquiry, into gathering up more facts, that kind of thing. But I say that to you to say, like, I think if we were to look, there's not just what we've been told, but there's also just the good, if you will, kind of general sense of like what we don't have to think about in order to form a belief Mm -hmm. until we run into friction. And so, I mean, you know, how does that relate to being an artist? Well, uh, I think there's a lot of deeply held passively formed beliefs. And I, what I mean by passive is just like, you didn't have to go out of your way to get it. It's just sort of in the air. It's, it's, it's an assumption that is collectively made long enough that it become it's inductively becomes a pattern of expectation. And so when you finally get to one of those places where the, the road doesn't behave like road anymore, um, and then you've been given a ton of options. Um, and then, you know, we talked about this last episode uh, on this topic. Uh, your identity is attached to it in terms of like your self-worth and your value. Oh, my gosh. You're, where do you go? You know, it's, um, you know, the, the, uh, what, what, what actually uh, moves you where? I mean, I, I lay that out. It's like the two ditches are we become like destination driven. Or we become, so you get the person who's like, well, it's all about where you're going. And then you get the other person who's like, no, 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 it's about the journey. It doesn't matter where you're going, it's just the journey. And so you get these two responses that try to remedy the anxiety you feel about your uncertainty with regards to your practice, your job, your relationships, you know, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think through um, with what you're saying, like, uh, you know, this, this idea of like, journey versus destination. I mean, that's, that, that is, that is kind of a trope that I've heard for decades. Right. You know, and, and, and I think it's, it's very much uh, the case, right? Because, um, it's kind of interesting to think that somehow they're not like very interrelated, mm-hmm. right? Like we get into this idea of integration, you know, not right. balance, but integration. Yeah, man, you, I've never, it's never jived well with me because I'm like, well, how do you, how do you actually know you're getting to a point if you're not focusing on the journey? And how do you know that the journey is worthwhile if you don't actually have a destination? Or that you're on a journey. Yeah. I mean, cause yeah. I, I could just be spinning donuts in a parking lot. Right. And that could, if I'm just focused on the journey, that's yeah. it. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm not really I just immediately got a picture of you with a mullet and a, a fuller mustache. <laughs> Like, it's like those two things were required to me. Like, you, I had to see you with that in order to visualize you doing the donuts. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like Joe Dirt in a busted El Camino. <laughs> Dude, I love El Camino. Uh, I mean, I wanted, pretty, a, I, wanted awesome. maroon, I wanted a maroon El Camino 
when I was a teenager so bad. I mean, like dope El Caminos are great. Yes. But if you move into like the busted El Camino yeah. territory, like it goes south real the quick. The Thunderbird painting on the front or like the uh, the Phoenix painting on the front of the flames. <laughs> yeah. <dude>. yeah. Got an eye rock with T-tops, bro. Yeah. <laughs> There's satellite debris right there. It's all this over is a the perfect place. example. Yeah. The lack of di- the, the lack of discipline in my mental thought is is uh, well, I'm just, my own class clown and so are you. We, <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's uh we're actually just engaged in the journey right now and we've lost right. sight of the destination. See, look at it's not about the destination, about the journey. And we just took a road stop <laughs> you know, to go to the restroom. Well, so it's funny because um I, I in, in conversations I have with uh students and designers, um, we will talk about this idea of destination and journey a lot. And we talk about it uh, in the respect of um Oftentimes we focus too much on what our next step is and we forget that actually that next step is towards something. Right. Um, so I try to push people a little bit more towards, okay, well, what is, what is that destination? And some of that is, is kind of because uh, if, we, if we are really embroiled with thinking about just the journey, just what the next step is, what the thing is I'm doing right now, and we're not thinking a little further ahead, um, we often can think that we, again, to bring up this topic, we kind of imbue a lot of mysticism and things and we go, is this the right step? Mm-hmm. You know, as if, as if careers in art and design have only happened in one way. Yeah. Um, which is not the case because, uh, if it were, you and I couldn't even be doing this podcast mm-hmm. because we Correct. have not had remotely similar journeys. Not even close. Um, and so because of that, you know, it helps to say, well, there's a destination out there. And just like if I wanted to get to New York from here in Richmond, there's a, bunch of different ways I could get there. Sure. I could still get there. I could get there in six hours. I could get there in five days. I could get there eventually. Yeah. Um, but I could get there because I know where the destination is. Um, and so some of uh, destination talk, I think, can alleviate some of the anxiety of, is this the right step? Because there has to be just one right next step, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, which is, uh, is a crippling thought. Which is a scalable idea. So you have the, so, I mean, this goes back to order, like, or prioritizing and ordering, like, and I think we'll have to kind of like zero in on kind of micro zero in on these. And then you got to kind of put the engine together, I guess, in, in a way. But, um, you know, you think about a lot of those examples, like a lot of those examples require you to rest on a given, um, that is highly ordered. So the jet plane, like the person is like, I believe in chaos flying on a jet plane. Yeah. Uh, with confidence that the engine's going to work and the competency of the pilot who does not believe in chaos. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. you know, um, cause if you believed in chaos, you'd be like anxious all the time. Like we never know what I'm going to get hurt, <laughs> like hit with dynamite or like a flying turtle. Like yeah. you'd start, yeah. I mean, you'd start to, uh, your, our behavior would be really strange if we really, I mean, that's why, like, that's why we're so upset about all the things that are off and wrong right now. In, in, oh, yeah. in any generation, it's because our deep and profound sense of it ought not be this way mm-hmm. is so thoroughgoing that it's shocking when, you know, someone runs a red light or uh, doesn't pay their bills or, you know, whatever it is. Like someone owes you money, they don't do it. Well, you ought to do that. Well, why? It's, the world's chaotic. You know, uh, what just happened? Well, I, I lost control. I lost the comfort of the assumption of a guarantee. And, um, and that, that is uh disruptive. And so how do I respond to that? You know? Um, I mean, I, I think it's worth just kind of moving in and out of these, these, these kind of places 
Cause at some point it really does start to bear in, bear into, you know, I mean like uh, it's worth going back and listening to the other conversation and then linking up with this one. And as we keep doing that, I think it'll get more practical. Uh, but it is worth kind of like assessing the landscape and it's not all doom and gloom by the way too. I mean, I think that's the thing is like part of it's like the fact that there's a lot of great things that, um, vie for our attention because we've, we've created a society uh, with a lot of great stuff. Um, and we can see the potential of more relationships. I mean, think about that. Like statistically, like, I think you're only really capable of having like a couple good, good friends over your lifetime at any one time. Yeah. And we have in every way more access to more of that in every way. And so there's two things that has to happen. You either are the kind of being that can get, that ha has a lot of absorbable depth to you. You can absorb a lot within a 24 hour period in a qualitative way, or you have to become shallower to any occasion in order to accommodate more. So you become, you know, an inch deep and miles wide in your relationship. So you, you, you change the quality of cultural expectation to a more shallow level so you can stay in contact with more of it. And uh, that is anxiety inducing. Yeah. Cause it's, cause to maintain that, that breadth mm -hmm. is work in the same way that maintaining the depth is correct in the other way. Yep. Um, and, and so there, there then becomes, you know, another kind of expectation for personal performance in right. some way. Um, you know, another, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of putting, um, you know, if we're building this anxiety house, we've got a plethora of bricks that mm -hmm. we can build it with. Um, and so, um, I think one, one thing that came to mind, um, is that um, when we talk about things like anxiety, kind of the um, the next conversation is how do we get rid of it? Mm -hmm. um, which I don't know is the most helpful conversation because it feels right. like going from one extreme to the other. Because mm -hmm. I think about if I'm if I'm in a car driving down the interstate and I'm going like 70, 80 miles an hour and I've got friends in the car with me and we're going somewhere and I have lost all sense of anxiety period in what I'm doing, I've probably become an unsafe person in that respect because there is something that's kind of nice. You talked about these two ditches. There's something nice about anxiety that can help us to stay out of those ditches in some ways, but it is a matter of how we check it, understand it, have mm -hmm. it as something that isn't detrimental, mm -hmm. but we understand it's there, but it doesn't have to be the realest thing in the room mm -hmm. for us. So, you know, I, I may have some level of anxiety driving or somewhere in the back of my head, I understand I'm actually in a car that could really hurt people if I'm not careful with it. People texting. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's actually kind of helpful. So if yeah. I remove all of that anxiety from the situation, yeah. then some, well, some wonder, checks and balances aren't I wonder, even there. So, I mean, just playing devil's advocate, I wonder if that's a, a matter of um, uh, aware, conscious awareness more than an anxiety because an anxiety would be, would be a, a like, so I don't, I can really respect the value of human life and dignity such that I am conscientious in my driving, which is not a, a feeling of fear per se, but an awareness. And I think that's the thing is, I think, I mean, I'm glad you're saying that because I think that's part of the, the discussion is that there it's, it's uh, so fluid 
that we have a hard time identifying mental states mm-hmm. um, in uh, emotional states. And so we kind of, they're left undifferentiated. Yeah. And I so can, I can yeah. definitely get behind yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Cause I think that, um, you know, uh, but also going back to even the conversation from the first part of this episode of um, like compartmentalizing, um, thinking that like anxiety doesn't have anything to do with what you just said. Right. But like, no, they actually, um, they actually do affect each other. There's a, there's a conversation between these, these states of mind or, right. or, or the, the ways that we're doing things. Um, so then you can even get into conversations if we're staying in, within the metaphor of like an automobile. It's like, okay, well, anxiety might be a part of it. There is a, a, a mindset, an understanding. Uh, there is also kind of a way that this is informed and informs things like responsibility mm-hmm. within that, you know, big hunk of steel rolling yeah. down the road. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things where it, it becomes, uh, in some ways it becomes detrimental, detrimental if all you did was just talk about the anxiety part. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what are the other things anxiety impacts? Right. Well, it can sometimes impact your actual energy. Yeah. It can impact your ability to, you know, want to go to work. Right. It can impact, uh, your ability. I've never to sh- felt that way. <laughs> That's sarcasm for those I can't see. <laughs> but I mean, think about even like, you know, what is a, a huge point of anxiety that we hear no matter how old the artist or designer is, the anxiety is somehow related to just even showing their work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think of um, people in my family um, or people I've known, or even like back when I was in like junior high and high school, the the kind of anxiety that was there of like, oh, I mean, I'm making this thing in this class and you're going to make me show it. Right. So while I'm making it, there's this crippling anxiety. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with me actually doing the work. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with me trying to do some performance that all of these 30 other people are going to be a hundred percent okay with. Yeah. Um, and there's like a ratio or something. There's like these sweet spots that we intuitively, I, now the trick of this statement is, is we can't fully know where we are. I think on this spectrum, it, it almost happens by relationship to other people. So we need each other. So what I'm going to say is, is a little bit ironic in the sense that I can't fully know, like I was just in a conversation last night with several folks about self-awareness and like how self-aware are you and this kind of thing. And so, um, I think it's a fantastic conversation to yeah, have. Yeah. yeah. So how, how self-aware are you? Right. So what I mean by that is on the one hand, there's the person who's terrified to show their art and they could be either pretty good, really good or not so good but they're terrified to show their work. On the other hand, you could have the person who is completely oblivious and is jumping out of the seat to show their art and thinks everyone should look at it. And they could be terrible, pretty good or really good or anything in between, right? Like there's so much diversity there. And so what's weird is, is those, uh, there's the work and then there's the people. And then there's like this continuum. There's this range of folks in the room. And it seems like we settle to some kind of, collective middle that is self-regulating and the outliers get checked against the regulating middle relational middle if you will and um and so on the one you know like on the one hand every now and then there's some folks on the right side of things if you will that need a little a little self self forgetfulness and then but you're like hey you over there mr you know like i went to school with a guy that just was utterly oblivious and drove the teacher nuts. And he always wanted to talk about like, like every painting he made was like paintings of demons and like they were highly religious paintings. And like, that's all he wanted to talk about. 
and he had no awareness that nobody else wanted to have that conversation. Yeah. Like, and um, what happened was he had a lack of character and a lack of uh, awareness, which meant everyone else started to bear a responsibility emotionally for his lack of responsibility taking. Mm-hmm. And it made the whole room anxious. And then he couldn't understand why everyone was so anxious with him because he wasn't aware. You see, so he's missing something in the equation. Right. Um, the opposite can be true. The, the person is really excellent at something who is overwhelmingly self-deprecating about it can make other people that want to engage with what they've done very anxious because uh, that person, and maybe in some ways is being just as prideful. Um, they're letting their, their, they're letting their own self standards uh, get in the way of the gift, gift like nature of what we create and what it brings to other people, you know? Um, and so, I mean, it's just interesting to talk about cause like it, it, those are two extremes. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make them two extremes, but um, it gets really nuancy because there's like everybody in, in between all of that. And then even maybe, you know, more extreme outliers. Um, and so uh, I lost my train of thought, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, you know, I, I'm kind of going through the like mental Rolodex of all these people I've ever come in contact with where I'm like, yeah, I, I can see that in different respects. Um, and leading the charge, I see myself in that space. Like, oh, well, how, how do you do that? Um, and I think, you know, we can, like you mentioned self-deprecation. Um, at least within my classrooms, I feel like that might be the most common response. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it, is, uh, it is a shield in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk badly about myself first, so you don't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is, um, it, it, it's 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 strange because if we talk about these two extremes, you said something earlier. I forget the exact words you used, but some sort of controlling middle. Mm-hmm. Um, that really is the space where, like, I think especially in our classes, we probably don't want our students to really be. You know, because the thing within our design, I think, that becomes interesting is not that everybody's stuff looks the same, but that we start to see have different viewpoints and have different different eyes seeing things in different ways and making in different ways mm-hmm. and experiencing and understanding. Um, and so anxiety can push us towards this kind of, uh, at times, really vanilla, blasé place. Right, and so that's a big, big point to get is there's a difference between the controlling middle in terms of, social behavior mm-hmm. and artistic outcome or design outcome. And when these things are fluid and undifferentiated, what I mean by di- undifferentiated is not compartmentalized or delineated to the point of no relationship, but distinguished enough so that you can address one without necessarily impacting the other. So let's say somebody makes pretty engaging stuff. Well, the stuff doesn't got to change. They just may maybe need to take stock of, of how they don't need to be so self-deprecating. And okay. So you, when you say social behavior, just to clear, clarify, you're, you're meaning like how they actually are like responding to their work in terms of showing it not to each other. It. Yeah. Okay. To each other to, gotcha. but, but to your point, um, because things get so collapsed, the work will suffer. Um, because the self-regulating kind of like dominant majority, if you will, of, of whatever the occasion is, will flatten all of that out. And so, you know, like take a, take an outlier, they might actually be pretty interesting, but they've collapsed it too. So then they feel like their work has to change to, uh, accommodate that middle. 
you, it's the same reason why, like when you critique art, um, uh, I have to work really hard at helping people understand, like, I'm not critiquing you. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really not like, and you don't, uh, in order for this to develop or work, like you got to be able to be distinguished from it enough to hear the benefit of the, the critical discourse with regards to the work, like how it's made, why it's made that way, uh, what the strength of the work is, um, and how the strength of it is, is, is a helpful plot point for critiquing where it falls short. Um, and then you come into play because you are the one that made the work, but only so much like, um, we, we don't, we're not agents of perfection. And so we don't necessarily, um, we, 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 our agency is, is far more dynamic and processy. And so, uh, that means that the things we make are subject to, uh, process, even, uh, in occasions of what we think are the apparent finish to it. And so the discourse, the dialogue that actually people are starved for has to be understood in some ways like that, because if not, like people feel like they're going up on the chopping board and their whole identity is resting on it, which means that then you front load an anticipation of that being the case into your practice and you hedge your bets to try to avoid getting shot down because you're, you know, you're like the work, you know, cause we say like, we say like cheeky things like my work is an extension of me. And in some weird way, that stuff is true. It's like when you get into a car, yeah, you yeah. start to take on the the scale of the car. It's very weird. Like mm-hmm. human beings are, I mean, we're, we're strange creatures because we do yeah. do that. You start to like connect in some kind of psychic way with the car where mm-hmm. you're like, I actually have a, a body awareness that extends to the body of the car. Yeah. So on the one hand, there's something mysteriously there. On the other hand, though, the work isn't you because, it, um, you know, if I run the work over, you're still here. Right. So we know at a hard level that, that, that you don't go away. You may emotionally die on side on the inside a little bit, but I don't know. So, I mean, working to get this clarity helps because like, so like the guy that I'm thinking of that, you know, maybe had some ability, was just so, uh, we'll give you an example. I went and I was a juror for a show about two months ago and this sweet person was so eager to not only like win an award or whatever, but so hungry for affirmation that, that they were in my face before I even got to look at their work. And they could not even allow me to look at the work without talking about how great the work was. And like their need for a for approval was so much greater than the time that I had to just look at what they had and they had no trust in or peace or rest in themselves to just let their work stand. And that persisted throughout the whole day. It was the most, and and when they didn't get an award, they were like in my face in a way that was like inappropriate in terms of, um, personal space, you know, I'm sitting like eating, it's this big event, it's all day thing. And so I had a choice at that point, like, you know, my family's like looking like this person's being very aggressive. And, uh, um, so I had to tell them like, well, one, you're here in my personal space and it's because you're so eager for approval that you didn't even give your work a chance to teach you anything about how much, how well you've done, you know? So I had to walk them backwards into, um, a conversation about professionalism, which implicated, um, you're, you're so eager for motivations that extend far beyond the work, you're never going to get what you want because there's such a discord. Now 
So that wasn't even about the formal work. Like they couldn't hear a discussion on like what the work was because they were so far in the way. Is that, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. then, so you, so then you're like, you're addressing the person, which doesn't necessarily change the work right away because the most imperative thing is like that person needs help. They need friendship. They need like family or hugs or, you know, time with people that love them. Like there's a, a whole makeup there that I can't address as like an art judge, but they had assigned so much value, so much importance to what they do, what they do that they wanted the self-affirmation um, and had assumed that that was the agreeable standard. Do you know what I mean? And it just yeah. wasn't, you know? And so, um, so, you know, so like, yeah, I guess like in thinking about it, it's worth parsing those out. Now, if someone kind of has, uh, I mean, I guess this gets into later, but if the character of a person starts to change, the order of affairs changes. So, so there's a disorderedness there, a brokenness there. Right. But the order would be what you saw from some other folks where they, 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 uh, we had a casual conversation, shook hands and moved from different booths. Like this is this huge fair. It's like 170 piece, uh, booths. And, um, you know, there's people that, that, uh, that had prioritized the space, uh, in a fitted way for the context to optimally bring to bear what was primary for the occasion, which was their work. And so then the order of affairs, the conversation had a balance to it, had a, a kind of a relational ease and beauty about it that freed me to really spend time with the work and, and, and their, um, goals were much bigger than just that occasion. So they could rest easy in that space and, and trust in the, you know, kookiness of like one person coming around for that day and deciding what they thought. Um, and so there's an extreme contrast there, you know, there's a ordered way. And then, and then there are some ways where people were like struggling. Like they're like, I kind of want to, I'm so nervous right now. I kind of want to talk your ear off and I'm fighting it. Cause yeah. I, and, and so the order is like, uh, the priorities are, are struggling. They're like, uh, you know, and, and that's cool. Like that, I mean, that's just where, you know, we all got struggles like that, but, um, yeah, I mean, so I think somewhere in there is the addressing of the two. I guess what I want to say is I find that, um, uh, because they're so collapsed, um, we have to go backwards and make a really, what feels like a very hard distinction between work and the worker or the yeah. maker. Um, it feels very hard because you have to fight because it's so like, no, 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 no. We are so tightly together. And I'm sure some people could even just take offense to that. Like the idea that I'm not my, what do you mean? Like my work's not me. And I think, uh, there's a benefit to the fluidity thing, but I think that it gets you into trouble too. You know, otherwise why would so many people be struggling with, if we can't at least try to think about these things, then we really are just assuming that the rise of anxiety is a normative state of affairs, which on the other hand, we know is not. So what do you do with that? You know, yeah, not just no, it's not, but we don't desire it to be right. Correct. Um, you know, cause I think, um, I don't know. There's just so many things, uh, my mind was going to with what you're talking about, but, um, I spoke with, um, a studio owner a few years ago. Um, fantastic guy, um, had a small studio came from Brooklyn and he, um, I was asking him about like, what, you know, what does it look like for you to bring other people on? Because so many design studios are, you know, small, maybe one to three people. Um, and he said he regularly employed interns. Um, and he said every year for like the last decade, it's been the exact same thing. 
He said, I'll usually get three folks that are really kind of rising to the top. It's like the top three to look at. Um, and he said, and they usually will fall into one of two categories. And both categories are exactly what you're describing, Ryan. Um, because one is somebody who's like, well, I mean, you know, here's my portfolio and, you know, it's probably, it's probably not nearly as good as the stuff you do and you probably don't want it or like it, but here it is anyway. And then uh, he said, the other person is the person that comes in and says, I do really great stuff. You really need me to work with you. Mm -hmm. um, and his sentiment was the same. Both conversations are problematic because what you've done is you've, you've created a context for me that has not included the work. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and when it comes down to it, um, I don't know, like we've done in other episodes, think about that in context of any other job. Do you want a doctor to come in and be like, look, I don't know that I'm very good at this. No, I would run out of that room. Yeah. <laughs> Even if that was one of the best doctors in the city. Yeah. It just, it just would unravel your, it would. Yeah. Yeah. Like an eye surgeon. Well, I, yeah. Right. I don't know if I'm very good at this. <laughs> yeah. It's okay, like, well, Oh, well I'm let's get some it. lasers in my eyes. So man. here's here's I mean, the irony is like in the flip, the disorderness is like, you'll, you know, there's the flip, which is the person's not very good, but they're like, I'm extremely good at this. Yeah. And, I think of like Dr. Nick from the Simpsons. Who's yeah. like, I can do surgery with table knives. Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> you're not good. Um, YouTube has shown us a lot of folks like that. Yeah, for real. Um, I mean, an entire like fail culture. Yeah. Fail culture. <laughs> Celebratory fail culture. It is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, there, that conversation is, is problematic, but yeah, it's just, where's this conversation coming from? Mm -hmm. And there is something, um, and this might be some weeds we don't want to get into, but I think there's something in both those conversations that's severely dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. One is dehumanizing to the self and mm -hmm. the other is dehumanizing to the other people. Right. Um, and nobody wants to be the person who's like actively engaged in dehumanizing folks. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's easy for us to do, mm -hmm. um, because we can think of, uh, we can think of, uh, maybe our, our studio mates as like, oh, they're just an authority on acceptance. So my work is going to this. And so I've stopped thinking of them as people. Mm -hmm. I've started thinking of them as acceptance. Mm -hmm. My classmates might be the same way. Um, the publications or the awards, like they're these things. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, um, you know, and so we start to dehumanize a lot of what we do because everything becomes, you know, just kind of a, a, a tick mark mm -hmm. in terms of stuff. And well, I mean, yeah. we have anxiety. That's right. You're, you're, you're getting at it in a great way to me. Like what I was trying to say about order is like a thing is like, um, which it begs the question, like, well, what do we ultimately, what do I ultimately mean by order? And maybe we can talk about that in our time in more detail, like philosophical terms, I guess, or, or whatever worldview terms. But, um, you know, it's like, uh, say you're an art writer, you know, or you're a historian or you're a critic and, uh, it, it plays itself out on every occasion, but you're, um, you can, you can posture your, I mean, this is why that imposter or, or like the, uh, imposter syndrome or whatever yeah. we call it is, is a real thing is, is there's right. a, there's a tension there between like, I'm really serious about X, Y, and Z. I'm serious about thinking about art or culture and, and, um, and then the people you write about or you think about are props mm -hmm. and yeah, the facade is I'm really serious about it. But behind that, what I'm really serious about is how I'm perceived as really serious. Mm -hmm. And we get good at faking it. So the, the, okay. So the lack of, um, 
altruistic follow through sometimes exposes the fact that we're not as about what we say we're about as we'd like to be. And that gets into your dehumanizing point. Um, there's a disorderedness there. The primary is you've got like, so like, you know, like there's people like we're really savvy at learning how to like be judgy in a quiet way versus the loud judgy person. Like even in our politics, there's prideful, there's kind of like people that are like, well, um, you shouldn't say things like that. And then there's the guy that's like saying things like that. What's interesting is if you had like a, and I, like I once heard, heard it said this way, like if you had a recording device that recorded every thought, feeling or action you ever had quiet, unstated, never said before, could anybody stand before anybody else and really feel totally good about themselves or say that like, I'm just a totally good person. And I could if, just have that recorder on this morning and say, no. and done, done <laughs> screwed. If you really, if you really think about that. Yeah. And so what's the difference in these two zones as well? One is more external communicated. The other one's internally thinking it at some level. What's the difference now? Of course there's huge differences, right? right. Yeah, totally. Um, but I'm just wanting to say that we, when we structure society, we, we do, um, create these enclaves or these environments that champion modes of expressing this. And we, we like, so we're more socialized, we're more civil. Um, uh, and, and like in that, that like the irony of that is like that can actually produce the anxiety is I, I'm, I've, I'm doing this with excellence. I've got this many degrees. I've socialized with only the right people. And, that's supposed to produce this kind of state of being above it all. And yet I'm feeling uh, utterly anxious about everything. Like I'm, I'm driven by it. It's a fear driven motivation and I'm really good at not letting you know that so to speak, you know? And, um, but what's interesting is like typically that also produces an isolation and an exclusivity where you find other people that are really good at it in the same way. And then you get your, your, your culture, like your little, you know, cul-de-sac of, of folks that talk big things, but they're divorced. I mean, like it, it's almost like you can't escape it. And it's a ratio that flip flops. No one's immune to it. We, we're all contending with it. And it, it, it raises the question, like, what's the priority of things? Like what matters the most? How do we, how do we, how do we, uh, deal with both our intrinsic needs and our extrinsic impact on other things. And, um, I mean, to be honest, I don't know. I don't hear a lot of discussion about it. I, I, re- I don't, I mean, I know, and I, I'm being sincere. I don't know what you think, Gareth, like I, but I really don't hear a lot of conversation about it. And I feel like a lot of my friends are starved as, 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 as am I in many ways to safely wrestle with it, say the wrong thing, you know, I mean, I think that's the thing. I was like, I think a lot of us are scared to say the wrong thing. No, I think that's, I think it's a real point. Um, I think we are. And, you know, some of it, it, it just shows, I think, how deeply ingrained anxiety is into a lot of the culture, period. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even that, that idea, like, to be scared of saying the wrong thing. And it's like, well, what, what are we even talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, how, do, what's the conversation? Yeah. What do you mean, wrong thing? Yeah. What's the goal of conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think, you know, it, it's, it's probably pretty good. Like we can, in case you haven't picked up on the nuance we've been talking about, like there is a prioritization in our minds very much of the people that do this stuff, of the individuals, the fact that um, paintings are fantastic, sculpture is great, design is amazing, 
Um, but they're still only things. They're not the people, mm-hmm. right? So um, I would say paintings and sculptures are amazing. I'm messing with you. <laughs> no, man, just the, design. The latent bias of the design. And there it is. The gloves are off. <laughs> Fight. <laughs> like, oh, you can finish him. <laughs> so the, uh, I think, you know, like, uh, just in case that wasn't clear enough in our conversations, uh, you know, it, it's good to make that point. Because I think that, you know, we've been talking a lot about kind of, even moving towards an idea of kind of hierarchy with stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah, which like, is scary. Um, you know, being a part of a gallery, being a designer who's owned a studio for about a decade, um, I really am in a mindset where like I, I would throw away the work to keep the people. Correct. You know, and, and that is not to minimize the work, but that is fully to maximize the people. And it's the same way I feel in my classes as I teach my students. Um, I'm happy for you to learn things. I'm happy for your skills to develop and mature. I'm happy for you to step into things. Um, but at the beginning of the day, you're a person. And so somebody might say even, and you know, critique even an episode of a podcast like this and go, why are you spending so much time talking about anxiety? Right. And it's because this is a real thing that really impacts folks. Yeah. It, it impacts every artist. I've you, like, I don't know of anyone who's not wrestling with it on some level. Right. And yeah. so to, to your point, you just made a minute ago, um, I think if we if we don't just kind of come out and just put the cards on the table and say people are hugely important, mm-hmm. some folks might not assume that. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't know that we really have done that within our culture. I don't know that we've really said people are important mm-hmm. in a way where we can start having the conversations you're talking about yeah. on a real meaningful way. And I think you know, there's a lot of disconnect that kind of comes from that. Mm-hmm. We understand that a comment on Instagram is not something that is really just beneficial for me Mm -hmm. because I would rather, you know, you and I text back and forth a whole lot, Mm -hmm. but I'd rather sit down and have dinner with you. Sure. You know, and that's not to say the text messages aren't great. And it's a part of the relationship. My whole life is in those text messages. You just shot me down completely. (laughs) Sorry, man. The relationship's over. Well, you heard it here first, folks. It went from the, the wooden nickel BFF bracelet last week, and now it's just relationship. Oh, time. man, that's right. The wooden nickel bracelet, the BFF bracelet. I guess I'll toss that. It's back. It's back. That, okay, see, look, cool. it just saved us. Thanks, it man. held us together. I appreciate it. Yeah, Because it's when you connect them back, it reminds you of your interconnectivity. So we saw the completeness, and we said, okay. It's like Captain back. Planet. Yes, With Captain your powers Planet. combined. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Planet was about the most generic cap. Like, I mean, it gives me hope for maybe making a cartoon someday in my life. It's like, well, Captain Planet can work. We can do this. But did you have you seen the video? This is so much brain debris. Man. There you the go. video of uh, Don Cheadle as Captain Planet. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that is my. He has replaced yes. the image of Captain. That's Planet. amazing. He surplanted Captain Planet. Wow. Yes. Thanks, Don. Thank you, Don. Um, but so I think you know people are hugely important. Yep. And uh, and if we can really get to that place, then we say then we can start to say actually then because people are important. A conversation on anxiety needs to really be pushed. And the idea of integration of our work into our lives really needs to be pushed because if people are the ones who are actually making this art, making this design, then these things become huge hindrances to Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So, um, you know, we might kind of like tiptoe around some of the things, but um, I mean, at least as far as I'm concerned, the things I've observed and observed in other designers and students that I teach and people I went to school with, is that anxiety is not just something that you kind of deal with and hope to read a book and it helps you out a little bit, uh, or you go on vacation every once in a while and you get relaxed. It's not that. It is hugely detrimental. Um, and it goes back to 
even a comment you made a couple episodes ago, Ryan, where you said something about think of all the work that has never been able to be created because mm-hmm. of certain things, mm-hmm. you know, and I think anxiety is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think this will be accepted. I'm just not going to do it. It could have been amazing. Yeah. It could have been the thing that changes, changes things in ways that we, we, we hope for change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, society, if you look at it, I mean, if you ask the question, like how, how many things do we, we create out of anxious fear and, um, now there's like, like good things. Like we want to eradicate diseases. We want to continue to work. There's things that you're like, yeah, I want to make food safe to eat. Like those are important things. Um, but then maybe there's like these other categories where it's like we make apps that allow us to soothe ourselves in our kind of like momentary anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so is the app really a good thing or is it actually enabling in pulling you further away from getting to a place where you actually don't have to um, enter, entertain yourself as an escape from mm-hmm. the anxious way you feel. So in other words, it's like a market built out of anxiety. There's a, oh, there's definitely. a culture. And so what's weird about that stuff is that stuff then produces more artifacts that drive us further into fragmentation and further into disorderliness, which I know sounds, I don't mean it to sound stuffy and like, um, clinical. It's just that, uh, like when a movie is well ordered, you don't know, you don't necessarily notice the order. Yeah, definitely. Because you notice you, you watch the movie. Like, let me say it another way. Um, no matter how disorderly you are, you are hoping, believing, assuming, resting on something else that is. So I can't take care of myself, but so-and-so will. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, you know, do X, Y, and Z, but so-and-so will. I don't know what I'm doing, but the university will help me figure it out. The government yeah. will help me figure it out. The neighbor, will help, the family, my parents, mm-hmm. my brother, my sister, whomever, like whatever it is, like somewhere in there, everyone has a point where you are resting on a given that has an order and constancy to it that allows you to ponder, consider, stress, be anxious. And, um, um, as we keep saying, it's just that this is such a dominant thing that, um, and in relationship to this discussion about integration, you know, which is a big, was a big part of the thing. Like, how do you do this? And it's like, well, there's two pictures. Uh, there's, um, oh gosh, this probably is not going to work. So I'm going to try there's, there's juggling, um, which becomes performative. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. you know, I got a friend that, you know, a good friend back in the day that juggles, excellent juggler could do all kinds of stuff on with like high heels on, on a skateboard, on a piece of wood, Dang. on a bowling ball with a chainsaw. Like you could find him. Wow. Um, his name's uh, Fiasco Sideshow. Uh, look him up. He does pretty awesome stuff. Um, nice. Plug, shout out there um, to Brent. Um, now the juggler is is assessing the weight of everything. And they're, they're, uh, the, the thing is at some point you get good enough at juggling a couple of things so you add more things in. And at some point you reach mass capacity and then it, it just becomes, well, let's just see how much I can juggle. And so in there, there's a balancing, there's a balancing at, with my body to juggle. Okay. That's a static base within yourself to impress others with what you can juggle. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it becomes a, 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 a an audience based thing. There's <laughs> integrating, which means that there's a, a, I want to say that there's a larger purpose that pulls the parts into focus, into relation to each other in a dynamic sense. Um, 
so that uh, some larger ends can be accomplished, uh, which gets into that journey, you know, destination, dy- mm-hmm. dynamism, interplay. And so, you know, I was thinking about, I mean, I had this picture in my mind because I'm always thinking about food. So I just had a picture of like a shopping cart and moving down an aisle and you're fitting things together, you know, it could be for a meal, mm-hmm. but there's a move that's happening. You're not balancing it. You're, you're gathering to bring to bear. So I'm collecting all the, the parts, so to speak, in this move towards cooking a meal that then will be fed to other people. And there's a, a process that um, uh, takes the focus off maybe an occasion where for a second you appear to be balancing things. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So there, there, there's a usefulness in both of those states, but they're very different. And so when you talk about uh, balancing your life, I tend to think of it as like, well, I, I'm not juggling. Now, here's the thing. When people ask that question, sometimes they're impressed with you in that they, they think of you as, as someone who's balancing and juggling. How do you juggle all those balls? Well, um, I, I don't think that I'm juggling. I don't think that I'm juggling them. And that actually allows me to let you into where I'm sucking really bad. Because as I'm trying to balance and integrate things, um, that tension uh, um, exposes these areas. Like if it's a show, I can't let you see where I suck. Mm-hmm. But if I'm working towards integration, I can let you into where I'm weak and where um, time allows me to not be as good at certain things, whereas a moment wouldn't afford me that. Yeah, I'd have to juggle it, and I, that would just mean a drop ball. Mm-hmm. You know, So then the question becomes, integration becomes looking at the parts, assessing them, how they fit, and it means maybe saying no to good things to put it into order. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, no, and that's, man, and, and that's tough. Um, Cause I know that's one of the hardest things in my life. I mean, you know, this we're friends, so yeah. you know that, uh, no is one of the most difficult things in the world. And so I get, I even get a sense of anxiety when I, I know that I need to say no, but I have a hard time doing that. Right. Um, and so, you know, to your point, like it becomes very detrimental because the quality it, it, there's a requirement that that quality decreases as more things get on that plate. Right. And it's not because something in me changes. I become less than Mm -hmm. because I've done this, but it's just a matter that we like, there's a human scale Mm -hmm. and we understand this when we go to the store and buy clothes, Mm -hmm. we understand this when we, um, you know, go buy a mattress for our bed. We understand the human scale there. But oftentimes within like our work, I think we really forget that there's a human scale to capacity. Correct. Um, And so there, you know, even going back to that like comment about Mark Zuckerberg at the beginning, Mm -hmm. right? It's like, I I, I don't have a capacity to be a billionaire by like my 30s, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's it's some of that's because my capacity, not that he and I have different capacities or that he is better in this way than I am, um, but because there were things in my life that I was doing that were taking up space that wouldn't allow me to do that. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's not something I have to look at and be like, Oh, we're different. So that's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, beauty, there's a huge beauty in the amount of difference we have. I mean, mm-hmm. we appreciate this in our art and design mm-hmm. and the difference of things. Um, but this idea of, um, of juggling is also kind of, uh, we, we really like to flatline a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking earlier about passive, like kind of passively accepting or passively taking on a lot of these ideas, um, 
you know, we look at things and we say, oh, I need to be like so-and-so. I need to be like this person. This is what it means to be successful in this space. This is what it means to be an artist or a designer that's doing things. Um, and so we think that what we've done is everybody's been given the same set of, of like balls and bowling pins and chainsaws to juggle. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes, it, it does in a way kind of just become can performance. Perform, yeah. Who performs it the best. And, uh, and that's, which means there's some people that are performing really well and don't like the implications of a conversation like this because it's an, it feels like an affront to the mountain they've climbed and the status they hold. So something potentially seems like it could be lost in this. But I think one of the things about that is again, like there isn't, it isn't necessarily arbitrary that these ideas of what we should be have come about. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that there, there are examples, like, right. there are things that are hugely aspirational. Like, you know, there's a reason that people say things about, Oh, I, you know, it, I'm not a painter like X. I'm mm -hmm. not a designer like so-and-so why they buy their books and things right. like that. Right. So, so I would say there's, there doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be the case that what I'm saying becomes like, an affront to folks who have done that and achieved that. Right. I think that there's always going to be the people who are kind of um, doing that in a way that they can look at as almost exemplary. No. Yeah. I mean, I think in a positive, you you want, it's okay to have leaders. It's okay to Definitely. have people that lead. I, I, I can't, there's so much I can't do that. I'm so thankful that there's other people. I mean, it's just overwhelming. And how many yeah, people yeah. wouldn't have gotten an art and design without those leaders, without totally. those people. I mean, yeah. like that's, you know, I, I think back to early college latching on to like these kind of designers who were the the folks in the field that I was like, that the stuff they do is great. Yeah. And I love that. And then it became, now I need to be them. And then over time, it's changed into something else where it's like, I don't have to be them. Right. I can still be aspirational towards some of the stuff they do. Mm-hmm. But I don't have the have to be have the anxiety to say, Oh, I've got to be Stefan Sagmeister. Mm -hmm. I mean that's yeah. That's a lot of anxiety there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, you know, when we're looking at this, uh, I mean, I think just to rest on the anxiety topic, you know, today. Um, and so what will, you know, what's going to happen probably with this is and we'll, we'll, we'll probably camp out a little more on like, I guess like some of what I I'm implicating as far as like, uh, and if there's a better way of saying it, we'll try to find it or you can share with us, you know, you can, you know, like, you know, you can email us at like info, at shockoartspace.com and just put in the uh, uh, heading or whatever, uh, Shaco Art Speak, and we'll and lay out your questions, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I mean, drop us a comment we, or a DM on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, yeah it'd be yeah. great for more voices to be part of yeah, the conversation. Yeah, I've had some good good feedback. And and uh, so so do do that. Like, what I was going to say is, you know, um, there's a there's like subtopics that you almost want to break down into parts to put back together. Yeah. And so I could imagine... I think this will probably go in the way of, you know, getting a little more at order how we, which is a really a way of getting at epistemology, like how we know things mm -hmm. and how we value things, you know, cause there is categories. There's like epistemology, there's anthropology, there's, um, uh, you, know, you get into issues of purpose and, and expectation more refined. And then, and then I think there's application. So there's talking about it and then there's pulling it into, um, uh, okay. So how do I take, take certain things into practice. Yeah. I was going to say yeah. all this stuff, it, it becomes like those bricks as we build up into yeah, ideas yeah. of like, well, what does this look like in professional practice? Yeah. So I think, I think what's going to happen is you're going to, we're probably going to go through a couple sessions and then get to a, a, an episode of practice, like just practicality now, like, mm -hmm. okay, let's just, 
here's here's where we're at. Here's where we're failing at it. Here's where it's not going well. Here's here's where it is. But here's um, some of the things we've learned from other people. I mean, um, and here's some of the things we've got. And I think I think in that, hopefully, there's a like I I, I feel like I'm gonna say this till I'm a broken record. But most of this is to be a conversation starter. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, so we're ex- we're hoping for conversation. We're hoping for dialogue from others and. Um, because there's a wealth of experience and the collective wisdom of human beings that, that and the diversity and the range. I mean, there's so many things we didn't talk about. There's, you know, that, that contributed anxiety. There's environmental mm-hmm. issues. Yeah. Uh, there's real existential threats to the states of uh, people's existence based on who they are. Um, so uh, there, in some ways we're talking about it uh, even broadly still with regards to um, a sense of, being an art and designer, which means we're not getting into every social sphere, mm-hmm. but they're there and they're real. And so a, a large percentage of why people feel anxious has to do with the, that fact. Um, uh, so the ten, the dance, if you will, is like, where can we speak in? Where, where are we not best fitted to speak in? Um, uh, what's best for this time? Because there's a lot of people addressing different issues and there's people that are, you know, we have friends that are more suited to talk about different things and we know that. And so we've, you know, so, so, Take it, take it for what it is in that sense and um, know that, yeah, we like this is quote unquote journey on our end. Also destination being a more uh, holistic society with more of what I would call like human flourishing, more um, qualitative expressions of states. Okay, let me say this to you. The, the, at the end of every human expression, the end of it, so if we say art is self-expression, okay, that's that's incomplete because expression assumes another. And whether we want it or not, at the end of every expression is human relationship. Yeah. And so everything we do is like every policy is to either drive people away from each other or to pull them together or mm-hmm. to drive certain people away and pull certain people. I mean, good yeah. or bad, everything we do is with regards to other people, mm-hmm. uh, intentionally or unintentionally, if that's true then spending time talking about this matters because this indirectly impacts and sometimes directly what we make and why we make it. And if our motivations aren't clear, then our creativity is clouded. Yeah. You, you can't, you may not be able to do the job well enough, or you may not make the next, uh, installation that, um, really, uh, resonates a people in a way that is transformational. Like, uh, you, you may compromise a design project because your chief goal is approval mm-hmm. yeah. and you don't do what's right for the client and someone else's ignorance is dictating your excellence and you're under underworking or you don't know how to you don't you not know how to say no or you know it's it it, it just uh and it, it's dynamic these things aren't static so they just fester they just carry over yeah. Um, they don't, they don't stay contained even if we try to compartmentalize them, you know? And I, and so, I mean, I think there's a lot of hope. I mean, I think, but I think the hope is in part to do with the process, the pro, uh, understanding the process aspect allows for, uh, a, a kind of, uh, the ecosystem, if you will, the integration, like if it works at the personal level, the next step is, can you get it to work at a relational level? Can you get it to work at a, uh, team level or a community level, a society level? And these are the spheres we're moving in and out of some of the core considerations are scalable between the personal to the uh, corporate and, but it's getting clear, clear on it. 
And, yeah. Um, and I think that clarity, like it, it takes time to get there. And yeah. I think that's really what's fantastic about this. So if you feel like we're just circling the airport, like it really is because we are, we're wanting to land the plane, but we want to do it really, we want really to do well. It. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, uh, again, we really do want your feedback and we want your, uh, your comments cause it helps us really direct our conversations. Yeah. Um, it yeah, gives yeah. us good, uh, points of, of discussion. Uh, even counterpoints are fantastic right. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Counterpoints. I just want to leave with one thought too. Um, anybody that stresses is stressing on my, my statement about order. Where are you sitting right now when you are stressing that? Is it a building that someone made and engineered in an orderly way so that you can breathe and sit? Are you listening on a well-made ordered iPod or, um, you know, iPad or whatever, um, computer, um, you, when I mean you're resting on something, I mean, in almost in that literalistic of a sense, Oh yeah. somewhere in your life, you are resting so firmly on what is a given that you don't have to think about it at all until something goes wrong with it. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, so, so really, really, truly like order, um, integration means that, uh, from architecture to close to the individual, to their bone structure, there's a, there is an integrated thoroughness from the internal self out to the external world. And I think the brokenness is there and that's why we're trying to wrestle to put the pieces together, you know? So, I mean, I think, I think yeah. if you really, really start to gra- grapple with it, it's like, oh yeah, that's true. Like every time I lean over onto a table, I expect it to hold my arms up while I'm eating a meal mm-hmm. at McDonald's or whatever, you know? Like, yeah, definitely. And so, um, so if there is places where you're seeing this work well, that also should give us hope. If, if, if anything, that should make, that should perk us up a little bit to go, Oh gosh, like there's a lot of places where like, why do we, why do we strive for our health to be more in balance as a psychosomatic unity? Like, because that orderliness, that flow, that balance, well, I just said it, but that integration, that, that harmony, th- those things working together, uh, enables that to not to be the thing you're worried about so that you can get to doing things that it seems like we're made to do or what have you, you, you see what I'm saying? So yeah, definitely. I think that's the hope if, if we're, as we're circling, I think that's what I want to try to leave with is I think there's actual hope oh, there in this discussion. Yeah. yeah, there definitely is. And uh, like we said, we'll totally be unpacking that uh, more in the next, yep. um, at least one more installment in this uh, this series about. I predict um, two. We got to do one on satellite debris. It seems like there'll be two. <laughs> um, but we do, we, we really <laughs> appreciate uh, all the comments, all the feedback. We yep. we really thank you all. The audience we have is really fantastic. We, uh, we love and appreciate so you. So appreciate it. Very, yeah, very really deeply. do. Um, and so, uh, please be in contact, hit us up with questions, with comments you have. We'd love yeah. to have it. Um, thanks for joining us. Yeah. We'll see Thank you next you. time. See ya. You've been listening to Shaco Art Speak, a production of Shaco Art Space. We are an independent nonprofit art gallery in Richmond, Virginia. We can be found online at shacoartspace.com and in real life in historic Shaco Bottom.